under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Jimmy Clark. Imagine me and you, I do. I think about you day and night. It's only right to think about the girl you love and hold her tight. So happy together. If I should call you up, invest a dime, and you say you belong to me and ease my mind. Imagine how the world could be so very fine, so happy together. Man, I'm digging this new Weezer album. So, to begin, to begin, how do we begin? Well, first off, a hello. Hello, Mr. Spotlow. Hello, Mr. Clark. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm all right, kind sir. Yes. I'm all right. Now, I watched the State of the Union live last night. I didn't. You didn't? Nope. You and most Americans, but... My roommates were like, yeah, we're not really watching anything. Why not? We'll watch it. And I watch these things at this point, eight years into this job, 12 years, over a decade of being a political news junkie. I watch these things very cynically. Like, for instance, I, number one, thought as speeches go, it was a very good speech, especially if you could leave out the political policy crap. Where we're going to have fights for months. So, But I thought the speech was incredibly well done in terms of the stories it told and the story it attempted to tell for the nation. But that said, I can view this cynically. Can I ask a question? Yes. All right. Uh, State of the Union. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is it? In the Constitution, is suggested that from time to time, the chief executive officer or the executive, the president, shall inform Congress of the State of the Union. The first one was done by George Washington. He gave an actual speech or address to Congress. Mm -hmm. Thomas Jefferson found that that was way too kingly. Yeah. So he started the tradition. I'm not sure what John Adams did, but Jefferson started the tradition of giving it in writing, and that tradition held for pretty much a century until Woodrow Wilson came along. And since Woodrow Wilson, presidents have given the speech to Congress in person, uh, I believe folks came along and started to do uh, the speech over the radio. It started to be broadcast to Americans so they didn't just have to read about it the next day. Nixon does a televised address. Uh, but the guy really created State of the Unions as we know them today, like this spectacle with TV cameras and all the news networks carrying it, was Ronald Reagan. He's the first one who started showcasing guests of the president in the gallery 
above the chamber where all the senators and congressmen are sitting. So the president does his thing, and he has all the people down there. And it's, mm-hmm. is it just him doing the speech or whatever? Yes, I mean the look on cameras. There's the president at the podium in the House chamber. The Speaker of the House to his well. To our right, the president's left behind him and the vice president sitting on a platform a little bit above him and traditionally hands a copy of the speech to the, his veep and to Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> yeah, I heard about her. Golly. Yeah, she she needs to learn how to keep her crap together. Man, well, she's going to die soon, so we ain't going to have to worry about it too much longer. Yeah, but how soon? Well, <laughs> you say you're, soon, you're, but how soon? You can only breathe so many breaths. <laughs> right, and we can play this game with the State of the Union. Like, who... A big thing with State of the Union, Seth, is uh, who stands up and claps. Like, after any potential line that people like, the whole Congress stand up and like, yeah, here, 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 here. On the last one, wasn't a big thing that that didn't happen? Well, it, it does happen, but what happens also is if the president says something the opposition party doesn't like, uh-huh. they just kind of sit there stone-faced. Ah, uh, okay. There was one notorious moment when Barack Obama said uh, Obamacare or the Affordable Care Act will not allow for illegal immigrants to access benefits or anything like that. And I think Joe Wilson... A uh, congressman yelled from the back, You lie! <laughs> and there was, was a big whole hubbub oh. about that, breaking decorum or anything, you know, whatever, decorum. But last night was interesting because you had moments where obviously there was division, but Trump kind of came out with a conciliatory tone, with a, uh, let's get along, let's cooperate, let's break the dam of partisan hackery and division and let's work together to do great things as Americans and he went on to tell the story of America he highlighted two anniversaries this was very well done I believe the 50th anniversary of the Apollo program and the 75th anniversary of D-Day and the Allied advance against Nazi Germany and he had World War II vets that's who he showcased to begin with there were uh, Holocaust survivors, including Holocaust survivors that then recently survived an anti-Semitic shooting in Pittsburgh. Oh, yeah, a synagogue in Pittsburgh, and so. But it's amazing. This one guy who survived the Holocaust then survived that attack, and like they, they haven't gotten me yet. And it <laughs> happened to be. I have a list uh, pulled up. Let's see. Uh, yeah, no, this guy, Judah Samet. Yeah, Judah is a member of the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh. In October 2018, he survived the horrific shooting that killed 11 members of his community. Judah is also a survivor of the Holocaust. He immigrated to Israel after the war and was president for the Declaration of the Israeli State in 1948. He served as a paratrooper and radio man. I like that. In the Israeli Defense Forces and moved to the United States in the 1960s. It also happened to be judah's birthday and actually all the congress uh, broke out into happy birthday that's awesome so there were good moments but i realized something because even though trump called for unity i mean what president hasn't called for unity i mean it's kind of like imagine a married couple i made this point earlier today why would nancy pelosi or alexandria ocasio-cortez or any of the democrats 
when Trump calls for you know unity and sunshine and unicorns and rainbows and crap, you know, let's get along and get things done for the country. Let's bring Americans together. Why would they sit on their hands and scowl at him? So I'll give you an example that brings it to light. Imagine a married couple, and they are really in a rut. They're fighting all the time. They kind of both know that this thing is going to end. They're married, in legally speaking. They might even be married in the eyes of God. But as far as the two people in this marriage are concerned... It's over, and they can't stand each other. I'd imagine you've met people like this. Yeah, of course. So imagine those people, though, are still keeping up appearances. And so they go to, say, a Christmas party, and somehow the topic of relationships come up, and the husband starts waxing poetic about, yeah, a good marriage is about compromise and bringing things together and meeting in the middle. It's a give and a take sort of process, and... The wife doesn't say anything but just scowls at him. Because she knows the truth. Yeah. That they're actually, they hate each other's guts. This is the same thing. The wife in this situation are the Democrats, and Donald Trump is the husband. And there's a, a lot left to be desired. We'll see if Trump's calls for unity actually work. I think things might work. He called for infrastructure. Blah, 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 blah. Couple, I li- go ahead. I like... Uh, his talking points whenever he comes out with something mm-hmm. it's uh, like how you said he came out with uh, the his narrative how he was talking yeah he's really good at that he uh, is he's a good showman yeah very good showman and he sells it well because I don't think he's selling it he believes it yes and he's not saying anything he doesn't believe yes and it's uh, and he brings up the old school stuff no matter what people say now, my two favorite lines of the night, aside from the personal stories I want to get to in a second, because that's really the important thing. I, I It just hit me last night, and I'll get to this great revelation I had. It's not really like Saul on the way to Damascus turning into Paul, but uh, no, I, I wasn't struck off my horse, and now I'm some great you know, prophet almost. It's No, it was just kind of a revelation of, oh, wow, that's actually what brings America together. But, but... There were two lines that I really liked in last night's speech. Even if they're not seen through, I like them, just as far as words go. Donald Trump pointed out the terrible crisis situation in Venezuela. Oh, by the way, Venezuela has blockaded bridges from other countries that were trying to bring aid into the country. Yeah, that's a great regime right there. Your people are suffering, and... Let's set up a blockade so no foreign aid or you know, emergency crisis aid from the U.N. can get in there. Is it like socialist or something? Mm-hmm. Hey, I'm learning something. They're very socialist. <sighs> very socialist. They thought they could have a whole economy based on the government running an oil company. Wow. Oh, when oil prices change, it's almost like it doesn't work. Anyway. Absolute power, man. And when that stopped working, more price controls, more controls on people being able to buy and sell goods from abroad, all, all sorts of things they did. And it's leaving their people, has left their people in incredible suffering and desperation. That said, Trump points this out. And then he said, it disturbs us. I'm paraphrasing, folks. I don't have to pull up right in front of me, but it disturbs us 
to hear calls for socialism in the United States. And he said something to the effect, we are we're born free, we were created free, and we will remain free. We will not give into government coercion and force. The United States will never become a socialist country. And he looked right at Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez when he said it. And the look on Bernie's face was just, he was not a happy camper. He looked like he pooped his pants. Again. Yeah. <laughs> this is why you're supposed to wear a diaper, Bernie, for long events. I like that line. Now... The United States isn't exactly as free as I would want it to be, certainly not economically, but I love that sentiment. The United States will never become a socialist nation. We're going to fight for it. I love that tone. Yeah. Because that's how I feel about that issue. That's how everybody feels. Well, unfortunately not. Well, the heart. Maybe. No, there are some people in the good old U.S. of A. They're not even necessarily bad people, but they're misguided, if I'm being charitable, uh, who would love uh, some form of socialism mm. in the United States. And they point out, well, that's a socialist policy we already have. Let's we'll do more. And the fire department is socialist. We all, you know, we all pay into that. That's a public good. Yeah. Okay, whatever. It's not exactly what we're fighting over. We're not fighting over fire departments and police. Well, we do fight over police. That's a whole, I, it's a whole yeah. other issue. It's a whole other issue. The other line I liked, though it had a somewhat lukewarm reception, which doesn't surprise me, given that the Senate last night passed a resolution to rebuke the president. I talked about this last night at length, about how war is the health of the state. They rebuked President Donald Trump for his precipitous withdrawal from Afghanistan and Syria. How dare you try to for peace. How dare you end a war? Even if we've accomplished our goals, we told the American people. We didn't tell them everything. We have other goals. Uh, anyway, Trump very eloquently said, a great nation does not fight endless wars. And little to my surprise, because of that resolution last night, there is a little bit of a delay. People eventually started clapping and standing up. But there is a bit of a delay on the uptick there, on the upload. It's like, oh, wait, I don't really agree with that. But if I disagree with that and sit on my hands, then I'm going to look like a you know, terrible warmonger. And the people actually, you know, the everyday people actually believe that. I don't, but I got to make, put, you know, keep up appearances. Keep up appearances. Yeah, no endless <laughs> wars, Mr. President, none. I love both those lines. And it's also interesting, I haven't seen much media play about Great nations do not fight endless wars. It's just interesting how the national media and most of your bought and paid for politicians just love war. It's it's the sport of the upper classes and the globalist. That's what they make their money off of. Right. War could be anything. But I want to get to my revelation. Yes. All right, what were you doing when this happened? I was just eating. Oh. I was eating steak and macaroni and cheese. Oh. It was very, very good. Yeah. But I realized as Donald Trump was laying out the stories of his guests, there was a little girl who I think now her brain cancer is in remission, who raised money to help research brain cancer and childhood cancer. He made a call to combating childhood cancer. That's a great story. He told the story of, uh, let's see. Hmm. Of again, the World War II veterans. He told that at the beginning, and I'll come back to that in a second. Told the story of Alice Johnson. Alice Johnson, after the president's 
was the story of Alice is brought to the president's attention. He commuted her sentence. She was thrown in prison for life for a nonviolent drug crime. Mm-hmm. He also pointed out another gentleman who had been in prison for a long time, again under a uh, a drug f- crime, Matthew Charles. It's a story of redemption. In 96, he was sentenced to 35 years in prison for selling crack cocaine and other related offenses. While in prison, he found God, completed more than 30 Bible studies, became a law clerk, taught GED classes to fellow prisoners, and mentored fellow inmates. On January 3rd of this year, he was the first prisoner released as a result of the First Step Act, which was put together in particular spearheaded by Rand Paul and Cory Booker in the Senate. Both parties voted for it. The president signed it. It's a great first step, and I love the name of it, a great first step in criminal justice reform. We need more of that. So all these incredible redemption stories. Then at the end of the speech, he was pointing out people who survived the Holocaust. People who survived the Holocaust. What is the one guy's name? And he told many stories over the night, Seth. Uh, people that ran into danger save people like the guy who took out the gunman at the synagogue shooting but this gentleman Joshua Kaufman he endured the horrors of Auschwitz and survived the Dachau concentration camp where he was saved by American soldiers by the end of the war Joshua had lost most of his family he left Europe for Israel in 1949 and joined the Israeli Defense Forces fighting in several wars. While on vacation in Los Angeles, Joshua met and married his wife, Margaret. He then moved to the United States and became a licensed plumber. He then, after telling the story of Joshua who had survived the Holocaust, he said, oh yeah, by the way, one of those people who was there that day to liberate Joshua and others from Dachau is here tonight. And they're sitting right next to each other. Herman Zeitchik. At age 18, Herman was among the 4th Infantry Division soldiers who landed at Utah Beach at D-Day. The early morning of June 6, 1944, he helped liberate Paris, hold back the Nazis at the Battle of the Bulge, and free starving prisoners at Dachau concentration camp. And there he was, sitting right next to the guy he had saved. These two men, kind of in the winter of their life. And that's when the revelation hit me. Is that the only people that really got applause and cheers and standing ovations last night, they weren't politicians. Even though Donald Trump called for unity, let's not kid ourselves, folks. Let's not be naive. The Democrats aren't looking for unity. And if the shoe was on the other foot, if Obama called for unity or some president who was a Democrat called for unity, the Republicans aren't going to run towards it either. It's the nature of our politics. It's divisive. It's polarizing. We fight over things, obviously. Now, the people that actually united the country last night were just everyday Americans, compelling individuals and human beings who had remarkable stories, whether they were wrongfully and unjustly, harshly punished, and yet they kept a good head on their shoulders and found new meaning in life, like the people that were prisoned and set free, people that were in horrible circumstances, 
people that lost family members and yet showed something inspiring in their character had survived and had gone into a fight and gone towards the bullets to save others. Those are the stories that united Americans last night. The politician's job, maybe at most, is to tell the story, get out of the way, and clap. And I wish politics was more like that all the time. I wish they would stop because both parties do this, and Stacey Abrams, her response to Trump, really reminded me of this. I'm so tired of some politician coming around going, I know the plight of Americans like you. Mm. You're working class. You're middle class. I'm so... I understand how hard life is. And that's why I'm running to make your life better. It's like, I'll shove it up your ass. I'm not asking for a champion. I'm not asking for a handout. I'm not asking for you to tell me how I'm so without and how you're going to fix it for me. I want you to defend American liberty. I want you to defend American lives. I want you to stand up for the ideals of this nation. And I want you to showcase and really put on the platform and on these stages that you have actual Americans who have done incredible things, not just win a popularity contest. I wish politics was more often like that. Like if the president just, like every Monday, because Monday is a crappy day. Nobody wants to go to work. Showcase some great American. That would be awesome. I would love that. Feel it in your heart, man. But that's how it should be. The people that should inspire us should be our fellow citizens. It should be your neighbor, your family member, your friend. Those are the people that should inspire us. They're the ones that usually do, as is. And I've been hearing it in news stories for the last... A few months, especially with the shutdown. Okay, a federal worker is going without pay because of the government shutdown. Sucks. It really does. But most of those stories were followed with, so somebody at a food bank helped them. Somebody at a soup kitchen helped them. Somebody at their church helped them. Their family helped them. So it's... The media presents it as these sad stories. Look at these victims. Look at these Americans who are being trampled underfoot by the cruel government shutdown. That's what they're trying to push. But I kept reading these stories and going, yeah, it sucks that the government shut down and you're not getting paid. But look at, the, uh, look at all these Americans helping each other without needing to be told to help one another. So I'm just tired of this theme of Americans can't do, Americans are helpless, Americans have it so hard, and we need the government to save us. I would rather we realize, if we look in the mirror, that we are more than capable of helping ourselves. And some people have it worse than others. That's when you have to keep your eyes open and help that person. It's... Amazing that they get away with it, the politicians. But the best thing they can do is tell incredible stories and actually get a few things done. Because I am tired of listening to the worship at the altar of government. I'm tired of it. There's a lot of pomp and circumstance around anything like the State of the Union. If, if you've never watched it, Seth, it's, it is a lot of ceremony and theater to it. I've watched some of it before. 
Yes, and it, sometimes I can get caught up in it. I like theater. I like over-the-top events. But that's too much. But yeah, it just it starts to get a little too much. It really does. So we should look to ourselves, ladies and gentlemen. And we should look to the heroes. And instead of it being necessarily, oh, the president's using them as props or the Democrats are using them as props or... Yeah, that's part of the reason politicians bring up these stories, to advance their agendas. But just leave the agendas aside and appreciate the stories. These are real people. And for better or for worse, their stories are remarkable. And they do inspire me. I think that it, it reminds the people to have hope, you know? And you, it shows the everyday person that you can, that can be you. I yeah. mean, it's, all you have to do is take that one step because you always have a choice. You can run into the building or not. You can do that thing that you're yeah. scared of doing or not, you know, and you should always do that. Do the right thing. You should always right do thing. it no matter what it is. It, just do it. Yeah, you don't need somebody to tell you, excuse me, pardon me, you don't need somebody to threaten you with hellfire or with prison. The right thing is worth it enough. Help your fellow man. Yes. It, it is worth it for its own sake. It really is. And my, my whole life has revolved around that. I have done everything for everybody else because I've never really had anybody to. And the people around me have helped yeah. helped me get where I am. And it's a, it's a revolving door. Now, I want to talk about somebody who can really help, though. If you're in the, uh, the housing market. Ooh. Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Ah. He wants to be your full-service realtor, ladies and gentlemen, and all those in between. He, if you're looking to buy a house, maybe it's your right. first time buying, Eddie can walk you through the process, hand-in-hand hand if you need it. He can show you, oh, here's the things you need to look out for. And he's going to give you all sorts of options at different price points that home that maybe it's your first time again or maybe you already have one but your family's growing circumstances change no puppies, it's a lot of fun to make babies. those kids i know mm-hmm. it really is so he can help you out with that but if you're looking to sell eddie bader with the goods and group can also help you he's not going to be one of these guys who sets up a sign in your yard has you sign a contract then waits by the phone and he's going to get out there because he knows a lot of people wanting to buy can also help people that are wanting to sell. He can suggest to you, because he's done this and changed his own life investing in real estate, okay, maybe you should do this repair or renovation before anybody even asks in a negotiation. It'll get the house off the market quicker, and maybe you can have a higher price point. Here's how you do a successful open house. Here are some of the things out there that you want to look out for. With somebody with that experience and somebody that down-to-earth, Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group, is your best option for buying or selling your home. So give them a call, 322-0662. Again, that number for Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group, 322-0662. And we've got to hit this break. Coming back, uh, I might talk about the guy in the mountain lion. I might talk about Jeremy Clarkson hmm. and the Grand Tour guys. Ah. I don't know. We'll see where we go. Joey Clark. Morning. Today's forecast calls for blue skies. Joey Clark. Oh, welcome back, folks. 
classic ELO song covered by Weezer. I don't ELO. You don't know Electric Light Orchestra? No. Oh, great stuff. They had some real cool stuff. Not a clue. But I want to get off this State of the Union topic and what actually inspires Americans. That is usually other Americans who aren't looking for you to vote for them. And I came across what is essentially just a, a meme, a photo. But I think the story's true. And the photo is a, like, imagine you walk into a Burger King. And you look up at the menu above the counter. And at the top of this Burger King menu, it says, not Big Macs. And then it lists, like, all their burgers. It's like, wait, how can Burger King get away with saying Big Mac anywhere on their menu and on their property? Well, here's the full story. There's an Irish restaurant chain called Supermax. Like, spell it. Like Big Mac, but Super Max. M-A-C-S? M-A-C-S, yes. That has operated around 100 stores in Ireland since 1978. Recently, McDonald's decided that this small restaurant chain that hasn't even made it out of Ireland needed to be taught a lesson. And McDonald's sued them. They sued them on the basis that the Super Max infringes on the Big Mac brand name. Which is, of course, absolutely absurd. But, here's the real rub. McDonald's ended up losing the case. Woohoo! Because, of course, they did. They didn't have a case to begin with. But as a result, McDonald's has lost the rights to the term <laughs> Big Mac across the entire European Union. This is in Europe only. Oh, man, I was going to say we can start calling me Big Mac. Which is why Burger King gets to do this, saying on their menu, not Big Macs, without legal ramifications. Wow. So you went a little too far, Mickey D's. <laughs> you went a little too far. Unreal. Another crazy story that I read earlier today. Guy in Colorado. Not sure exactly where, but... Who cares? He's hiking and running on a mountain trail. That's a great thing to do. Great form of exercise. Get off the treadmill or the elliptical machine. Go out into nature. Fresh air. Yeah. Feel Sunlight. the fresh air. Especially that high of an altitude. Yeah. You've got to really get your stamina I mean, up. we know the laws there. Mm-hmm. So, this guy's running around, doing a hike, doing a jog, a little stroll through the mountain path, and he's attacked by a mountain lion. Oh, God, by an actual cougar. Was it a Not a, a hot lady? lady of a certain age. Oh. By an actual big cat. Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I love you, man. I'm kidding. Really? Wow. I kind of like was thinking it'd go there, but I wasn't going to say it. So what does this guy do? Because it apparently started biting at his wrists, clawing at his face and all this stuff. The man is still alive. He did something that worked. He choked Choked it. The mountain lion to death. Yeah. With his bare hands. Oh. Oh. Talk about a man, ladies and gentlemen. Bear grills can go live in a cave that's Mm -hmm. faker. Yeah. No. And all all men in the country are becoming feminized. Like, yeah, maybe certain men. Not this guy. He just took out a mountain lion with his bare hands. Yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. Scream like a little girl. And the police or the forest company, whatever. The 
proper authorities or jurisdiction went and checked out the carcass of the mountain lion and it checked out with the guy's story and you know his wounds because he was really no and not only does he choke out this mountain lion because it tore him up pretty good it's a mountain lion that's awesome he was able to you know go all leo dicaprio from the revenant wear it carry no well no he didn't, <laughs> he didn't live inside it but no he was able to like slowly trudge to his car all like torn up drive himself to the hospital and that's when he got fixed up and he told this story to the authorities. Wow. Do you know those guys that the authorities went back and checked the the critter because they wanted to make sure that he didn't kill it out of right. season or something like exactly. that? Exactly. Yeah, because mountain lions aren't known for attacking people. Given their large population in that part of the world, it's like something only like 20 deaths a year. They usually are scared of humans. They don't see us as prey. But this guy running... Apparently, the lion became confused, and well, he picked with the wrong he picked the wrong guy mm. to jump on. Man, that gives me hope. That's like the person that gets attacked by a shark and they like poke in the eye. Right? <laughs> it's hardcore stuff, dude. Man. He choked it. He oh. literally choked a mountain lion to death. Talk about a story. If that guy's single, he's got to have any problems finding a girl. Man, woo! Yeah, that is that is manly. It's like Herculean. Oh. That gives me I, hope. Yeah, exactly. Want to go in the woods? That's... Now, to a story that I kind of saw coming, but I knew it would be a bit absurd. Have you heard of the show called The Grand Tour? No. It's on Amazon Video. All right. It's an Amazon Video exclusive. It's the three guys. Do you remember Top Gear? Oh, yeah. Yeah, one of the dudes from Alabama. Well, no, but not new Top Gear. Mm-hmm. Like, Original Top Gear. Like British? British Top uh, Gear. Okay. Yes, with uh, James May, Jeremy Clarkson, I've and I can't remember the other guy's name off the top of my head. But they kind of were getting old. I think Clarkson did some things that were unseemly. So the BBC said, bye bye So they're like, all right. So they got a new show that is called The Grand Tour. It's on Amazon Video, and it is awesome. It's in 4K, and it's essentially like Top Gear on steroids. Cool. Really cool stuff. Like, they went to Detroit, first episode of this season. We're like, Detroit's kind of downtrodden, not its former self, but it's a car town. Yeah. So they got, like, these huge, high-performance cars, like the Dodge Hellcat and mm. a souped-up Ford Mustang and all sorts. And we're cleared off some roads in Detroit and were like actually road racing these things and yeah. uh, drag racing them. It was a really cool episode. And Jeremy Clarkson's the kind of guy, when he heard that Detroit's trying to revitalize parts of their city with allowing gardens and front yards and things, he actually ran over a garden with his Mustang. He's that type of guy. <laughs> He's like, I like Petro. I don't like all this green piece hippie crap, these tree huggers. This is what I think of your garden. I would be so mad. Mm-hmm, me too. I would be so mad because I love it. But that's, that's who Clarkson is. Yeah. Anyway, they did a special where they were in Columbia this season. I just watched it the other day. Very entertaining. A lot of fun. They were essentially going on a safari and taking pictures of animals all throughout Columbia. And they each were allowed to bring their own vehicle for this trip. I think James May uh, brought some tiny European coupe. Uh, 
Richard some what's his name? I don't know. The other guy brought this ridiculous souped up like F three fifty, which was not a smart move because he couldn't get through like all the old ancient roads and when they're getting into the backwoods it was just too heavy and too big. It kept getting stuck. Colombia is like Escobar, right? Yeah. Oh, okay. beautiful Cuba. place. Yeah, though. just hills and mud, rain. And Jeremy Clarkson brought a Jeep, like a, okay. a classic Jeep, yeah. like a Wrangler. You know, it's yeah. a... Wait, uh, uh, what's, what's it called? Hmm? They have a name for them, don't they? Right. Uh, I can't remember. But anyway, James May and the other guy were talking to themselves when they see Jeremy Clarkson pull up in his Jeep, and they're like... Wasn't that declared, like, the gayest car in America by the LGBT community last year? <laughs> so they kept picking at Clarkson throughout the whole episode that he's driving a gay car. Ooh. And, you know, straight guys being immature and stupid were like, I'm, I'm not I'm not gay. What? Stop yeah. it, guys. And it's just a stupid running joke. Yeah. Guys giving each other a hard time. Right. Well, this really lit a Ooh. fire. Under some dude's butt. Uh-oh. It all began, goes the story, when singer, I'm not sure who this guy is, maybe he's better known in Britain, Will Young tweeted about the homophobic scene in the Grand Tour. Oh, Richard Hammond's the other guy's name. Jeremy Clarkson, James May, Richard Hammond. And I'm going to have to self-censor here or censor Mr. Young's tweet, but he said, It's effing pathetic and actually homophobic. It's insulting, and they can't rest on the laurels of, oh, we're just politically incorrect. It's sad and shaming, bigoted, and for F's sake, grow up. How dare they stereotype gay men? Clarkson then issued what he called an apology. He said many gay people who'd seen the show said they couldn't see a problem. None of my lefty friends could either. One even said I should tell him to stop being so gay. <laughs> I won't do that, though, and nor will I suggest once again that mobile phones should be fitted with breathalyzers to stop people drinking and tweeting. Ah. No, instead I will apologize to Will for causing him some upset and reassure him that I know I'm not homophobic as I very much enjoy watching lesbians on the internet. Mm. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Like, it's a silly, stupid show about these guys who are probably in their 50s at this point, giving each other, ribbing each other a little bit. And this guy goes on Twitter, how homophobic F these guys. And most people today, especially when that tweet gets picked up by the media, oh, the Grand Tour is now homophobic. The Grand Tour is now homophobic. Most companies, most shows, most people in the public eye, if that's thrown their way for something they've said, they apologize. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cause offense. And uh, I, I, I love gay people and blah, 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 blah. For Jeremy Clarkson to say, I'm not homophobic. I love watching lesbians on the internet. Like, thank you. Yes. Obviously, it's a joke. Obviously, he's not taking it seriously. And I just like personalities that are unabashedly themselves. 
Yeah, man. Now Even if they're flawed and wrong. It's hard to be funny nowadays. Comics have a hard time. Yeah. Because you, I mean, one wrong line, step, or anything, just a couple words, and you are done. But if you just don't care, then it seems to go over a little bit smoother. If you don't care, and you're yourself, and you have no problem apologizing when it needs to be. And then you, you apologize, and then you throw something funny at them because they're being a sore loser. Right. It's just... When are we going to stand up? And I guess Jeremy Clarkson is. And it's not even a point of, like, a great culture war. It's just, I'm just having fun with my buddies, man. Other people thought it was funny. Other gay people thought it was funny. Get over it. Everybody's so sensitive. Everybody is so darn sensitive. They really are. Like, I I would say it's not just people on the left. Everybody's sensitive. It's like, because I think there's a lot of people on the right reacting, going, well, they get to be sensitive, we get to be sensitive. It's like this parade of blackface. My God. Did you see the news today? <laughs> so so the, the governor of Virginia, a photo is put out from his medical school yearbook. And the photo is of a very clearly racist caricature blackface costume. And a guy right next to that guy in blackface wearing a clan. Yeah, it's all <laughs> Yeah. It's just, there's no getting around that. It's not like, oh, the school's, like, the f- basketball team's having a blackout tonight, so people paint themselves all black. It's not like, say, a little kid doing a ninja Halloween costume and he wants to be real <laughs> stealthy. <you know? laughs> it's none of that. None of that. No, there's no wiggle room with that photo. That's just downright <laughs> racist and, like, what the hell were you thinking if you don't actually have racist instincts or thoughts or opinions why would you dress up that way it's just no defending it but the guy the governor doesn't say i'm sorry I, that's he says that's not me in the photo oh but you would think he would leave it there that's not you shut up. in the photo for your medical school yearbook <laughs> then that's when you stop talking but no the governor goes on he goes, that's not me wearing the Klan outfit or blackface in that photo, but I did back at a dance competition in the early 80s put shoe polish and darkened my face to impersonate Michael Jackson. So I have done blackface, and I'm sorry. It, to which one reporter said, can you still do the moonwalk? He thought about it for a second, <laughs> to which his wife awesome. gave him a very discerning, like, what the hell are you thinking? No, we're here. We're up here to apologize for you doing blackface. Don't break into the moonwalk, you big idiot. So you'd think, okay, and then the next, because just piece this whole story together, people start calling for him to resign. Mm-hmm. Republicans and Democrats in the state of Virginia and nationwide. Saying, dude, you might have been in person Michael, impersonating Michael Jackson when Michael was still black or dark. I don't know what the hell happened with Michael. But he needs to step down. Well, the guy who would fill the governor's shoes if the governor was to resign is the lieutenant governor. And the news dropped that he sexually assaulted a woman. Wow. And the woman, the accuser, came out in public today. The reports early on just kind of had the generic he sexually assaulted a woman. She came out with the details, saying they were voluntarily kissing somewhere, private. And then he grabbed her head forcefully and made her, against her will, crying and whatnot, uh, 
forced him to forced her to perform oral sex on him. Oh man, yeah, that's wow. That's way worse. Yeah, and they're I mean, wow. And ironically, that guy has now hired the same law firm as Brett Kavanaugh, oh, the Republican oh. <laughs> guy who's now in the Supreme Court. And you think, okay. Can get this worse? story cannot get worse. <laughs> oh, come on. Thank you. This story cannot. Yeah. No. Today, the attorney general of Virginia, who, if the governor resigned, uh-huh. the lieutenant governor resigned, uh-huh. the person who would ascend to the governor's seat uh-huh. would be in the state of Virginia, the attorney general. What kind of creeper is he? <laughs> so today, <laughs> the attorney general of Virginia came out and said, yeah, I also did blackface at a party when I was an adult. He just went ahead and spit it out. Yeah. Well, what? You're, it's going to come out anyway. Just go ahead and tell everybody everything you did. <laughs> <laughs> how did that work out for him? It's like, what in the world's going on? Like, how many people have done blackface? Like, when you're a, a, a full-grown adult and you clearly know what you're doing. What is this, like the early 80s? Yeah. In, like, the middle of the, the country? Yeah. Man, that's... Wow, that... Oh. It's just like... <laughs> it can't get any worse. I don't... I'm waiting for the next shoe to drop on this. It's just... Uh, it's remarkable. Man, where does the KKK outfit come into acceptability into this? No, <laughs> don't go out there and dress up as Hitler. Wow, yeah, really? Don't even dress up as Stalin or Mao Zedong. Don't even go near a Pol Pot costume, even though nobody knows what he looks That's like. That's why I didn't do the stash, man. Yeah. Saddam. Saddam. You look like Saddam Hussein? <laughs> no, it's just the stash, man. It's either a Pol Just the stash? Speaking of that. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like, where do we go from here? Man, I was... Ugh. Like, just, okay, if you want to wow. do some offensive costume, if you want to dress up like Hitler, it needs to be in a production of The Producers, where you act like, oh, no, I guess it's homophobic. Springtime for Hitler in Germany, where you're mocking the guy. You're, what is it, tap dancing on the dictator's grave. Oh. That's a great old trope, and it's a great theme and wonderful. If you want to do blackface, then you need to have it done in a movie, self-aware, <laughs> and make fun of the fact that you're doing it like Robert Downey Jr. did in Tropic Thunder. What, what's the 80s movie where the, um, the, the white guy did it for college or something? I can't remember that one. Yeah, it was. Uh, and yes, there has been there have been white face skits like Dave Chappelle yeah. does his classic like oh, white. Man. It's so He's, funny. He is a great. There's one, the dude. white chicks movie with the Wayan brothers. Uh, like I said earlier to you, nobody ever says anything about Pocahontas. Okay, <laughs> see, boom, people walking around like Pocahontas. I'm over here like, okay, come on, man. you are Native American. Right? Yes, I am. And this is the same. Wait, movie. when you see people like. At a Halloween party, and they're dressed up like a Native American, yeah, so to speak. I say something to her. You say something, but oh, are yeah. you actually offended? Man, I, I what can I do? I can't do anything. I'm at the bottom of the barrel, but I do say something. That's what I do. Okay, yeah, and you have every right to say something, but I'm asking you. And, and there's no wrong answer. When you see something like that, like how much does it bother you? Enough to where I say something, but that's it. And I mean, uh, it's just like, mm. well, what do you, you say? That's pretty racist, man. <laughs> and all I want to do is put the thought in their head. And that is it. And as yeah. long as they think about it, okay. then I've done my job. 
Okay. And it's just like, hey, remember my folks. But you can maybe go on and be buddies with that person. Of course. Right. Yeah. Especially if it's a hot chick. Well, man, I, here lately, it's just... Yeah, it's a great... What a great Pocahontas I open my mouth up, and then everybody just runs. <laughs> oh, man. It's just... It's just... Uh, it's so sensitive, man. So I can't sensitive. take a joke. Right. I cannot believe... We're sitting here right now. <laughs> no, I'm just amazed at like how this keeps coming up. It keeps popping up. It kept getting worse and worse. I thought it would have been dead last week. Right. And you're still talking about it. <laughs> no, it's still ongoing. We don't have anything else to talk about. I mean, the State of the Union will play itself out in a few days. Oh, no. And we're adding to it. Yes. Whoa. Last night, somebody got a hold of decades-old evidence. You know, Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She did that DNA test to show her Native American ancestry. Mm -hmm. And she, I'm probably no, more Native American than she is, oh, yeah. is my guess. Uh-huh. <laughs> so somebody found, and she claimed she never used it to any advantage. It was just an old family tale, folklore, and I'm, I'm sorry. I never intended this to be a big deal. Lies. Well, the evidence came out. It is an actual application for the Texas Bar Association, a legal license, essentially. So what we saw is it? That's her handwriting on it, and under race, she wrote in her own hand, American Indian. Didn't even say Native American, American Indian. And you know on all of those things, I do, it says Native American. I'm just still, like, it's Christmas come early, because I can't stand Elizabeth Warren and to see that this is the issue <laughs> that continues to trip her up. Like, she's so woke and so progressive and so ready to help everybody by controlling their lives in only every, every which way with the government. Wow. To see this tripping her up is, it's remarkable. And there it is on our television screen right now. Why you shouldn't lie. Yeah. And if you lie and it comes back, just fess up. Tell the truth. And then people respect well, And it seems, and I'm quoting her to a degree here, Seth, it seems, Elizabeth, that your papa with high cheekbones was full of crap. Ah! He wasn't actually Native American. <laughs> uh, those are from the box. But I'll still check out you know, your contribution. This is real, Seth. You, I love that you're actually Native American. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. Because I get to tell you this. She actually contributed to a cookbook called Pow Wow Chow. Man, that, oh my <laughs> God. Let me guess. Main dish, a fluffy puppy. Chow Chow. <laughs> no, but it's just, it just keeps getting better and better. What a crazy, crazy world the news cycle has been the last few days. And again, I come back to... Stop looking to these yahoos like Elizabeth Warren or even Donald Trump for to be your champion. I even you know, Trump said things last night I loved, but uh, the real people that unite us and inspire us are you know incredible average Americans. Yes, they are.